0: Very spooky
1: Leia, hello Leia is going to start our episode for us This is Two Girls, One Ghost Two Girls, One Ghost and we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. We are recording
2: separately because if anyone doesn't know, we actually have set ourselves up perfectly for uh, virtual recordings because mm-hmm. we do it every, every week. week. Sabrina's in LA. I'm in Boston. And so previously, I think you and I were like, ah, oh, we always have a leg down on other <laughs> podcasters because they, they get to like play off each other's energy and mm-hmm. person. But now who's looking to us? (laughs) (laughs) I will say
1: it's such a silver lining. It's such a crazy time in the world. And I know there's a lot of anxiety. Oh, yeah. In the world. And I just, Grin and I felt like it's very important that everyone knows that we're here and we're going to continue podcasting. We hope, you know, it's okay to feel anxious. It's okay to feel really unsettled right now. I'm currently unemployed and don't know if I have a job to come back to when and if prodigal sons picked up. So I get it. There's a lot of like uncertainty and it's okay to feel that way. And one thing that Friend and I always talk about is like how beautiful of the community we've built. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing to see everyone being there for each other right now. And I, I think it's as scary and terrifying as the world is today. I think it's shown a light on how beautiful and wonderful this group of people is.
2: Oh yeah. The world is coming back together. Everybody's helping each other out, supporting each other, bringing Mm -hmm. people up, which is really lovely. And it's also nice because it's like, I feel like in times like this, it's so easy to be anxious. Like I'm not even sleeping. I haven't slept for a full week just due to the influx of information and anxieties about loved ones and people that aren't directly in my isolation pod Mm -hmm. to think about. So it's a lot, but it's also, I think we're lucky that we also live in an age of social media at this point where we can distract ourselves with ghost stories and Netflix and virtual hangouts with friends to drink wine or play board games Mm -hmm. over things that also give us that sort of release and distraction, which has been lovely. Yeah. We did a virtual
1: happy hour on Friday.
2: We did. We did more. We will. We will. (laughs) I am now realizing how much alone time I typically spend in a full week Mm -hmm. because this is my, I'm at my one week mark now of complete and total social isolation Mm -hmm. of never having touched a person or been six feet from them in a week. And it hasn't felt different than my normal life. Yeah. I'm going to try to get out there more when this is all over.
1: Yeah. And I will also say, like, I think because I'm unemployed right now, and that's only because we're on hiatus. Well, I'm hoping it's only because we're on hiatus. Fingers crossed I get hired back. Also, my episode comes out tomorrow. So it came out last week, if you're listening to this. Episode seventeen of Prodigal Set, if you wanna watch. I wrote it. Everybody watch. But I feel like I've been really unmotivated just because like I think because I was working so much and now like given this freedom to like be at home. I don't have a job to be doing. I've been I'm sleeping a lot and reading a lot. And then there's like some p- times where I'm like, God, I need to do more. And then, and then I'm like, no, this is okay. And I should accept the fact that I need to relax and I need yeah. this alone time and downtime to regain, I don't know, energy.
2: Yeah. utilize this time how you need so long as you're yeah. just staying in place and supporting others, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what we're here to do with ghost yeah. stories. We're trying to distract all of us with some beautiful tales of the paranormal. Yes. Speaking of, before the quarantines happened, you were in Charleston. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to tell you anything about it because I'm going to do an episode on it because it was so much. You're going to do a whole episode? You don't get to tell me anything? Nope. <laughs> that is so unfair. <laughs> we can move that episode up. Like I have Wait, it scheduled for it. April, but we can move it up.
1: <laughs> let's make it episode 126. Okay. Okay. I can't wait. I'm
2: not saying anything. Marissa and I walked away from Charleston like,
1: holy shit. Oh my gosh. Okay. So. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I guess we won't hear Corinne's ghost stories, but we'll hear yours, our listeners, because this is an encounters episode.
2: An encounters episode. Shall I start? Yes, you should. Okay. This is called Glitch in the Matrix, and it is from our listener, Sarah. Hello, I have a strange story for you guys. When I was in college a few years back, I had this friend, Katie, who I was pretty close with. I knew everyone in her family except for one of her brothers. She has a sister and four brothers. The reason I'd never met this one brother, Chris, is because he was always in and out of jail, so he was never around for me to meet. One day, I went over to her childhood home where her parents still lived, and we were just hanging out. I was in the kitchen washing a dish, and from the kitchen you can see the staircase. I saw her mom walk up the stairs, and then only a few steps behind her, two people that I had never seen before followed her up, a man and a woman. I assumed that this was the friend's older brother that I had never met. Perhaps he was not in jail, and he was staying in the house? So a few minutes later, I brought this up saying, Hey Katie, is Chris here right now? She responded, No, I believe he's in jail. And then I asked, is there anyone else here besides your mom and us? And she also responded, no. I explained to her what I saw and she asked what they looked like. I was able to describe them both in great detail, saying how tall the man was, what he was wearing, and how he was with the short blonde girl. She responded by saying, that sounds exactly like him. But we searched the house and no one else was there. It was not like she had a big house or anything. And like I said before, these people were only a few steps behind her mom. It's not like they were sneaking around. Her sister came home and I explained it to her and she freaked out because I guess they had recently learned that he was dating a blonde girl. I stayed the night and the next day we slept in and then got ready to go out for brunch. As we were walking out, who pulls into the driveway? Her brother Chris. He had just gotten out of jail that morning. Oh my gosh. He was not there the day before. When I saw him and met him for the first time, it was the same person I'd seen go up the stairs behind her mom. I cannot explain what this means or why I saw it. It was very odd and unexpected. I've experienced spiritual things before, and this was by far the strangest. It didn't scare me at all, and I still wonder to this day what the heck it was. It was also strange that looking back, I was able to recall details of what they looked like when I'd never even seen their faces to begin with, only their backs. What? I never met the blonde girl. I'm not very good friends with Katie anymore, so I'm not sure how her brother Chris is doing or if he's still dating that blonde girl, but I hope they're well. Anyway, that's the story. Best, Sarah.
1: Okay, I have gone through so many thoughts in the last two minutes of you reading this story because my first thought when you said that she saw someone that looked like Chris walk up the stairs, I was like, okay, well, maybe there's like a relative in the family on her mom's side on Katie's mom's side who looks very similar to Chris, who follows the mom and is like, you know, like a guardian or something. Mm. Then the fact that he came to j- out of jail that next day and is dating a blonde girl. It's like, is that a future memory? Like a, yeah, like a glitch where she saw something that's going to happen in the future, but like timelines glitched for a second. It's yeah.
2: It's so weird. Cause it's not even like he came home the next day with the blonde girl and she just had some sort of wrinkle in time. Right. Like the blonde girl is missing from this puzzle piece. And yet somehow she was able to see both of
1: them. I know. It's so weird. It's so strange. Yeah, it seems like it's a f- insight to something that's going to happen in the future. Like when Chris introduces this girlfriend to his mom and they're going to all go upstairs to do something. Or she's gonna like i don't know
2: the other thing i feel like and it kind of goes both ways because we've heard glitch in the matrix stories where mm-hmm. some people are the only person experiencing everything and everyone around them is like glitching and part of this like rewind sort of experience however this one was just almost like a ghost sighting and i'm mm-hmm. curious as to how her friend didn't see anything or the mother didn't sense anyone walking up the stairs like only she saw it. So I'm like, is this a glitch? Was
1: this a vision? Like what? What is it? It could be a vision. Like the, uh, the fact that, he, that Chris did come home the next day. Maybe she just saw it. I don't know. Oh, I don't know either. Or Chris's energy was like transporting. Maybe like Chris in prison learned that he was getting out the next day or knew that he was getting out the next day and was thinking about introducing his girlfriend to his mother and that Thought, oh. and that energy was transported to the house how and, interesting and she saw it i don't know that
2: it's sabrina i think you're on to something <laughs> that his like the amount of energy and just like his full heart and willpower of or like will for his family to meet his girlfriend and to be back with his family after getting out of jail maybe it was so intense that it literally affected the astral plane
1: whoa i want that energy <laughs> <laughs> right very powerful <laughs> what i don't want though is a demon. Uh. And this is from, they did not say right their name, so I'm going to say where they're signed off. They signed off a loser from Anaheim. <laughs> cool. I'm a loser from Vermont. I'm a loser from many places, currently California, Los Angeles. The subject line is, my ancestors saved me from a demon? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Mm. Hello, fellow cat lover and Bigfoot enthusiast. That one is straightly for Corinne. so quick backstory i have a relative who states that she is a medium and can sense people's auras and guardian angels and she told me years ago that i had a strong aura with an equally strong ancestral angel guardians by my side she kept saying that my angels were ranked among the strongest almost equivalent to the catholic archangel michael that's so cool i being the young atheist girl in a latinx catholic household simply nodded But I did like the perception of it being my ancestors, as family is something deeply valued and cherished in my culture, hence the Day of the Dead holiday where we celebrate our ancestors and past relatives. This woman further went on to explain that they will protect anyone who is around me and that I love, but kept looking at me in amazement, saying she had never felt such a strong energy radiate from a person. She kept saying your angels really love and protect you. So four years later, I end up going to this haunted museum in Vegas with my boyfriend, I'm sure if you look it up, you'll come across the one I'm talking about. I think she's talking about Zach. Yeah, must be. Mm -hmm. Unless there are multiple in Vegas, which maybe there are. Probably it's Vegas. After some quick backstory of the place and a few jump scares, the host asks me to pull on some little machine that simply gives you a number. I went up to the machine and pulled on the crank, but nothing came up. I tried again and still nothing. Now, growing up in sports... I had a chosen number that is significant to me as it has always been my jersey number and is a small token of assurance to my very anxious mind that helps me calm down and tell myself that I will be fine or have a good day. The third time I pulled the crank, I got the number three. And this is my number. So I immediately turned to my boyfriend who is aware of my lucky number as well as my relative's angel story and see his eyes bulge out a bit. I simply laugh and smile at the host as I explain, I got number three, my lucky number. She looks equally surprised, but I took this as the act for the job she has in spooking the guests. As we go into all the different rooms, nothing significant happens until we enter a room where a possessed doll with a spirit box, which is supposed to be a tool that the doll's demon uses to speak to you, that my boyfriend says something happened. I was the last of the group to enter the room. As I entered, my boyfriend said the spirit box got eerily quiet. I stood in the room, obviously unbothered and totally nonchalant. When the host asked the doll to say something, to which you hear on the box, Get out! and would keep repeating this, as well as, Get out! Get out! My boyfriend swears it only happened when I entered the room and stopped when I left. He then asked if my angels were the reason the doll was saying that, as if it felt threatened. Again, I brushed it off, but seeing that he was a bit freaked out, I told him, Don't worry, I love you and my ancestors know that, so they have your back too. He said at this moment, he felt a warm feeling come over him that almost made him feel lighter and safer. We kept going as the museum was filled with eerie and haunted objects, but I was taking in everything with amusement as a horror fanatic. While my boyfriend stated he would never forgive me if a ghost followed him home, lol. Anyway, the tour ended and my boyfriend mentioned that he did believe my ancestors were watching over me and he's glad to have them on his side too. Yes, we're still together six years and counting. To conclude, I do not believe I will see anyone on the other side, but I cannot negate the lives of my indigenous ancestors and the historical fact that the horrors that they faced during the Spanish colonization and those more recent past lives that suffered through impoverished conditions and hunger for the future of their children to thrive and succeed, including myself. May we all be thankful for those who have come before us. I have many other stories from my family, such as that same relative medium, as well as other mediums believing my grandmother's house is filled with so much good energy that good spirits come and go, which they believe has created a spirit portal and is the reason why so many relatives had had paranormal experiences in the house. Maybe I'll send the stories in sometime soon. Stay spooky and continue being badass, intelligent, and strong woman, a loser from Anaheim.
2: Okay, we, I'm like dying to figure out which possessed doll with a spirit box this is because I'm really curious about the demon behind it and the effect that the protective
1: angels had. Well, maybe we should look it up. What we dolls, should? What haunted dolls are at Zach's or any in Vegas. Vegas kept in Vegas haunted museums? And then
2: getting number three, it was like a, a nice little sign, like, "Hey, don't worry. Before you go in, you'll be protected. Like you, your lucky number. It's your mm-hmm. lucky day. Nothing will happen to you." But I do wonder. I wonder if the response from the demon was in response to the angel that had accompanied them into the museum, or if maybe the angel was just there because despite protection or not, I wonder if there was something about this person, the
1: loser from Anaheim, Mm -hmm. that would have triggered the demon regardless. It's interesting because they were explaining that it took, So many times for them to get a number from the box. So it makes me wonder if their ancestors took a lot of time to get into the building because it was so haunted and to feel safe and to protect them from the darkness that was in there. Because, I mean, for people who have a lot of or who have the ability to feel energies, when you walk into a haunted museum, especially one like this, which might have a lot of possessed items, I imagine it's really dark and heavy.
2: Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's, it's wild to think about. And it's like, that's what scares me so much about going like I so want to, but then the other side of me is like, I'm nervous about going into museums like that where there's so much energy and so much going on and so much darkness already contained in this one space that I feel like I might be one of the people that would trigger everything
1: (laughs) in the museum. Right. You totally would. (laughs) (laughs) Just me being there is like, oh God. (laughs) That's why you need to be like loser from Anaheim and have crazy, cool amount of ancestors looking out for you. The fact that her relative was like, "I've never seen someone with this much energy is pretty crazy. Mm,
0: mhm
2: That's cool. I wonder how many people are out there that like never have someone tell them that but are that way. You know how many people out there have these extra like powers or openness to the paranormal world or just like probably a lot yeah and just never know <laughs> so what
1: if it's us uh, it's like getting me. your letter to to hogwarts it's definitely <laughs> not me <laughs> sabrina it could be i don't know i'm sure i have my grandma and my grandfather looking out for me but i'm not i don't know it's fine it's fine everything's fine i'm the first person to die in a horror movie it's okay i get it
2: <laughs> i'm not the hero I don't know where I You know what? This is maybe not the nicest thing to say, but given our current state in coronavirus and the orders to socially distance and shelter in place, I have observed who I would and would not trust when it comes to a real zombie apocalypse. And let me tell you, a lot of people that I thought would be on my team are getting cut. I am (laughs) leaving them behind because they are not listening. Who's
1: on your team? It's me, me, myself, see, and I. Honestly, I think being solo is probably better.
2: It's yeah. There's been enough mistakes made from everyone that I'm just like, I don't know, you're operating at 80% and I'm really only considering 93 and up.
1: So <laughs> I don't think you make it. I think this is like also very applicable to your dating life, like your your standards. <laughs> oh god, that's why I'm still
2: single. <laughs> Did you see that meme that was like, I will be single for the rest of the year. Only because of the current, like, social situation. Not at all because I am, quote, <laughs> difficult to love. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. I feels a little <laughs> too close to home. Back to the spookiness. I have an email from Whiskey, which is quite possibly the coolest name ever. Seriously, the coolest. Oh, God, I love it. I want to have two kids and name them Tennessee and Whiskey. (laughs) Uh, Love it. And then I guess I have to move to the South if I'm going to put on that persona. Yeah. But this is from Whiskey and it's called Dreaming While I'm Awake. I've been listening to TGOG for about a year now. And today I decided to go back and binge the whole shebang from episode one. I've made it to episode four under the covers where, if you recall, Corinne recounts the feeling of dreaming, but being wide awake. When she described the sensation, I shrieked and ran to my laptop. I have a ton of ghost stories and so many episodes make me think of a great story to write y'all, but I'm usually in the car. When I get home, I never know which one to write to you about first. So it makes sense that I start here with the most terrifying events of my childhood. Ooh. Between 4 and 10, I had a ridiculous amount of night terrors, or as I called them, awake dreams. There were three different versions of this night terror sensation, or feeling, dream-esque state, question mark. In the earliest one I can recall, I woke up from a dream sleep and ran to my mother's room to tell her that I had a nightmare. When she scooped me up and laid me down into the safety of her bed, I was shocked to see the monster from my nightmare standing in the doorway of my mother's room. I told her that the figure was there and assuming that I was just a half-baked kid having a nightmare, she held me until I fell back asleep. Her and I both assumed that the whole thing was just a bad dream, but in the morning, she recounted the whole thing to me. She said I was sleepwalking and I told her that I was not. I was awake the whole time. I remembered it all vividly. The next time this happened, I came sobbing into my parents' room with my hands stretched out. As my mom tried to comfort me, I told her that my hands were gigantic and at the same time somehow smaller than needles. It was the most horrible sensation of my life. No one could come near me because their hands felt like this too when they tried to touch me. I would sit on my hands stretched out so none of my fingers were touching. I called this one big little hands and it was the most frequently recurring night terror slash sensation that I've ever had throughout my life. I would have varying combinations of these night terrors. The most inexplicable of which reminded me most of Corinne's feeling she described of time. For me, I called this one fast forward time because everything was sped up. When someone would go to comfort me, I could feel them put their arms around me and I would scream, Stop touching me! Only to hear that they were just standing there with their arms out. They hadn't yet laid a hand on me. It felt like I could tell the future only in milliseconds. Everything around me was sped up in a nightmare reality. The only escape from these would be to fall back to sleep and wake up again in the morning. Only as I got older and the night terrors were less frequent, I would find myself triggered in these sensations randomly during the day. No one ever believed that I was awake and could remember my night terrors. They just brushed them off as shit kids do, I guess, until they watched me descend into them in the middle of the day while watching a movie or doing my homework. I once scared the crap out of my older brother while I was home alone watching the original Poltergeist in the middle of the afternoon. Suddenly, everything was moving too fast, and the movie seemed to expand into the room. My hands felt thin as needles, and I knew exactly what was happening to me. I told my brother I was feeling big little hands, and he had no clue how to console me. Plus, when I was a kid, I looked just like Carol Ann. Ah, Sorry, bro. As aware of what was happening as I was, I couldn't do anything to stop it. I just had to wait for it to go away. Now, as a 32-year-old woman, I still get these sensations. I cannot, to this day, watch the movie Ant-Man or The Hulk or any film that depicts gigantic or miniature stuff interacting with the real world. It triggers big little hands immediately. And as an adult, I've learned to just sit quietly with my fingers stretched out until it goes away. Don't feel bad for me, though. These things only happen maybe once every five years. I'm very normal-ish, LOL. I cannot wait to send you all my wild ghost stories, so let me know what you'd be interested in next. The 70s-style haunted ha- lake house? Yes. Mm-hmm. Or how my family is related to the Bell family and Bell Witch of Adams, Tennessee. Whiskey! send us both. everything! Whoa. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> See you on the other side. Whiskey. I'm very glad that these only happen once in a while now, but it's so... I have no ability to describe or explain what it is
2: i know well i don't know either and i'm i've experienced the the time where she yeah. was talking about like time going too fast and things just happening and i think i've described it before as almost like a circus like it's like yeah slow and then really fast and it's like everything is around you and it's so dizzying and it like expands and contracts and you're just like what the fuck is happening and and to the other person, they're just you're just standing there in the middle of the kitchen, <laughs> and they're staring <laughs> at you like, "What's wrong with you?" But like, all of that is happening in your own side, and I'm just like, "Is that a weird paranormal thing? Like, what is that? An opening to something? Is there some sort of chemical right. imbalance that just like suddenly whooshes over your brain for a few seconds?" But like,
1: why is it always the same? And it's also like all of the moments are almost so minuscule, but it's obstructing your reality just enough where it's so. Off putting and yeah, altering and scary and right like small little or what's it, big little hands? Big little hands. It's such a small detail that's changing, but it's changing her whole reality.
2: I know, and so much of it is based in sensation rather than actual like visuals. However, Mm -hmm. it's interesting to think back to one of her earlier night terrors where her mom thought she was asleep, but she was very much awake and saw the creature. Right. From her like sleep state in her wake state.
1: So, yeah, is there like a specific creature that controls all these feelings?
2: I don't know. It kind of reminds me a bit of like sleep paralysis and the old hag and just some extreme variation of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, this feels kind of like, you know how I have OCD and had to go to therapy for it. Mm-hmm. And there are certain things that like trigger my OCD with my hand because my OCD has to do with like my hands and my ankles. This Mm -hmm. feels slightly triggering to like a fear that's been instilled in me from these (laughs) moments happening. So now I'm like, oh, God, oh, God, like, I don't think it's going to happen. But part of me is like, God, now it's going to happen. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's going to happen.
1: No, you know what? I will I will make you think about something else and then maybe (laughs) it will put your mind at ease. Okay, I am going to I'm going to stick with the dream world a little bit. And this is from T. And the subject line is dream guy predicts future question mark. Hey TGOG, I recently discovered your podcast and fell in love with it. Keep up the good work. And this is also like in 2018, so not recent. I'm not sure how to classify this story. While I consider this some sort of paranormal activity, I'm not really sure where to go from here. Ever since I was around 10 or so, I've been seeing this guy in my dreams. Same face, same black hair, same eyes that alternate between bright blue, brown, or even solid black. And same olive skin. His smile is so distinct as well. At first, he was older than me, maybe late 20s. But since I was in my late teens, he's been roughly my age. I don't have a name for him, but for story's sake, let's call him Jackson. He isn't always in my dreams, or if he is, it doesn't mean he always talks to me. Like sometimes I'll just catch a glimpse of him looking at me or walking away. And when he does talk to me, he usually talks about the things that will happen. Or more often, he just shows me what's going to happen. And a lot of times, it does. I wouldn't exactly call him a bad thing, though. the first thing I remember him predicting was me having a four-wheeler accident when I was in middle school. But it's not just limited to things that happened to me either. He's predicted my estranged mother's marriage on my dad's birthday and my neighbor dying of a heart attack. And once while I was driving down the interstate passing a local airport, I felt Jackson say that a body of a girl who had been missing over a year would be found in the woods running along the runway. Two weeks later, the body was found in that exact spot. Though my sightings of him have become more frequent as of late, the last dream I had was of just the two of us sitting at a table having a drink and him telling me that I needed to get help for my depression. I've been depressed since I was 14 or so and attempted to hang myself at 15, though nobody in my family knows. Jackson told me that I couldn't hide forever and that it would ruin my relationships. I woke up after that. And that same night, I dreamed I was going through my papers on my kitchen counter when I found divorce papers filed by my husband. I'm not even married. Then Jackson was back, and he simply told me that I need to make sure to sign a prenup to make sure none of the royalties from my novels go to my husband after my divorce. I woke up, my heart pounding, and I sat up. And there, sitting by my bed, was Jackson, staring at me. Looking surprised because I was awake, I froze and simply reached out my hand and touched him. He was cold. And honestly, there was another feeling, I can't totally describe it, but it felt like I was beyond at peace. He smiled softly, and I don't remember anything after that. So beyond his little predictions, he's predicted some things that are off in the future. Me having a New York Times bestseller, a friend proposing to me, getting married, getting divorced, among other things. I just don't know what to think of it, if it's a guardian angel or something more. He's predicted so many things that have come true, there's no way that this is coincidence. Two years ago, I found out that my mom had a stillborn thanks to a car wreck two years before I was born. Sometimes I wonder if it's him, but he doesn't look like either of my parents. I'm curious what everyone thinks of this because honestly, I'm lost. I'm a Christian, raised Baptist, and Assembly of God all my life. I think there's a lot of things we don't understand that God doesn't have to explain. It's up to us to figure it out. And then she did like a little edit. She said, I saved this as a draft, but one of the biggest ones has come true. One of my closest friends is in the military and is being sent overseas later this year. He asked me to marry him, and I said yes. I don't know why, but it feels like this is what Jackson thinks I should do. I don't know how to explain it. Stay spooky, T. Gosh, I don't even know what to think either. I mean, it's kind of amazing, and Jackson seems like not necessarily a traditional guardian, but almost her spirit guide.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's like setting everything up so that she is benefiting, you know, like protect yourself in terms of your royalties because yeah, uh, you know, a divorce unfortunately is to come like all of these things. That's just like, maybe you wouldn't think about it in the moment, but just like preparing her, her to be, have a leg up or like be on the positive side of a situation. Right. So it's all, it seems like all good things for the most part. I mean, some of it's a bit darker, like the miscarriages or like the body Mm -hmm. of that woman found. But I'm trying to make sense of, so when he appears, he has the same face, same hair, same olive skin, but his eyes alternate between different colors. And when she said solid black, it freaked me out a little bit. Like I'm
1: freaking myself out. (laughs) Okay. There's something about, I mean, people say that the eyes are the, windows into the soul. Yeah, thank you. That if they're not truly a human, then it makes sense that the eyes are the thing that are changing because whatever this entity is, it's just appearing in the shape and form of a human to to help, I guess like assimilate her and put her in like an okay place because if you mm. dreamed of a of maybe a ghost or some other entity in its true form, maybe you would feel terrified. But To make her feel comfortable, he's appearing or it is appearing in the way that we understand humans.
2: Mm -hmm. I know because part of me was tempted to be like, oh, well, maybe he, you know, like so many demonic presences will start out as something that's nice and like gaining your trust and maybe his eyes are blue and brown and like normal human colors. But then like I when she says black, I don't picture just like the iris being black. I picture the whole eyeball just completely yeah. blacked over, like just holes into the head, which I don't know if that's what she actually meant. But <laughs> I like was picturing this movement into darkness, but that's just not the case. Like he's been just recently gave her insight into her romantic life.
1: And the thing that assures me is that he herself has never had, or at least she didn't tell us that she's had dark feelings about him. Like it just seems like they are just sitting across from each other. Talking right, and maybe it's someone from a past life, or I think we've had conversations before about spirit guides or mediums specifically who, like, they have people or and spirits on the other side who are kind of giving them the messages and helping them see and hear the things that they do. But almost feels like this is a form of that because, yeah. Yet, while a lot of these premonitions that he's telling her and things that are to come or have happened, that Jackson is telling T, there's also the the woman's body who's going to be found and things that aren't relative to her.
2: It makes me wonder on the side of like spiritual guides, if everyone who was a spirit guide is all gathered together so annoyed by him, like, oh, he's such a teacher's (laughs) pet, such an overachiever. Why is he doing all this? He's making us look bad.
1: Oh, gosh. I'm sure. Or do
2: you think that T is also maybe one of those people who has this overwhelming openness in her energy and so maybe she's absorb. like maybe everyone gets these messages but she's absorbing it
1: right she's actually hearing it and taking it in tia can't wait to read your new york times bestseller when it comes out i know holler at us <laughs> let us know i want someone to tell me that i'm going to be on a new york times bestseller sabrina one day you will well because there's like also the psychology of one of the reasons i'm timid to go to get like my fortune read is that like I'm nervous that someone's going to say something that will then like alter my my decisions to make that happen you know but if someone if I went and they were like you're gonna make a New York Times bestseller I'm okay altering my decisions to make that happen yeah as long as it's
2: good (laughs) (laughs) I know you better just oh now would be a great time to learn tarot card reading oh I have a lot of downtime maybe he'll do that. Yeah, you should. We both have plenty of tarot cards now. Mm-hmm. All right. This is called The Girl and the Thing Keeping Her There. Oh my gosh. Doot Dude. dude, dude. <laughs> it's from hey. Fox. I chose listeners with really cool names. Wait, yeah. Fox? Wow. Fox. Hi, my name is Fox. So I just started listening to the podcast. I'm on episode eighteen now. And just out of curiosity oh. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't read the the intro to this,
1: but you have to read the <laughs>
2: <laughs> just out of curiosity. Is Corinne single? If so, why? Hello there, Corinne. <laughs> yes. Kidding. Of course, you two are extremely adorable and sweet and I enjoy listening. So here's my little story. So first off, not really allowed to talk about it. That's kind of one of the rules I guess I agreed to, but oh, well, I wanted to share. So if I go missing, know that I pass the story on to you
1: too. Wow. Jeez. Thank you for for sacrificing yourself for us.
2: I know. But what is that? Are you then what does it say if we take it and we share it like we are now? He shared it with us and then we're sharing it with everyone else. Is this like the ring? You have seven days. Oh, no. Oh, God. So much pressure. <laughs> OK, well, here we go. Let's just see what
1: happens to us.
2: <laughs> this is a story about a little girl and the thing that may have her bound here. So I live in a four-bedroom house, have for the past 31 years now. Well, the fourth room is an add-on, and that being said, it's fairly far from the other rooms, being separated by the kitchen, living room, and hallway. So one night, I was, I believe, 15 or maybe 16. I was in the back room on my computer recording music, playing the guitar. I was home alone at the time, and my friend was living with me as well, but he was out on a date during all of this. So I record my song and was ready to hear it and make edits and whatever else it needed. I press play. And instead of hearing me and my guitar coming from the recording, what came out was an eerie wailing scream. I was frightened. I was terrified. But at the same time, I thought maybe it was an audio glitch. So I hit the stop button and nothing happens. I hit the close program button and nothing happens. At this point, I'm thinking the computer froze, while in the background, this terrifying ear-piercing sound is coming out of the speakers. I begin to panic at this point, and the sound was getting painful. I jump up, and I pull the power plug to the computer and speaker from the wall. The sound doesn't stop. Oh? At this point, I am frozen in fear, sitting on my computer chair, feet curled up, not wanting to move. Being too afraid of opening the door with a spirit or demon sitting in the dark waiting for me to run into its arms. Yeah, nope. The sound eventually stops. Too afraid to move, I sit there for four more hours until my friend returns home at 4 a.m. He asked what was wrong and I told him everything and he just laughed and said, So you waited for me this whole time? (laughs) I was angry of all the times for him to come home so late this had to be the night. (laughs) Now nothing happened for a while after that incident. Years later, I'm in college and I'm doing a report on folklore. I decided to do this one on a game and the folklore within that game, how it bleeds out into the real world lore. So this game is about ghosts. It's called Fatal Frame. Isn't that the, is Fatal Frame the one where I did that episode on like the girl that crawls out of the well in Japan and she was held as captor and all this stuff and she screams. And then everyone was like, that was from a video game. Maybe it is a game. It might
1: be. Game. Yeah, it might be. It probably is the
2: same. Well, I did a ton of research on Fatal Frame and while doing it, I was recording once again with a new computer and a new mic, but in the same room. The sound comes back. This time I was able to shut everything down calmly and I unplugged everything. I got up and I proceeded to walk out of the room. I shut off the lights. I shut the door. The door I have isn't a normal swing type. It's a sliding door like for closets. Well, as I'm sliding, the door closed. My eyes wander from the door down and onto the other side of the door as it was closing. I saw a little girl with the black hair, a blue dress. Not sad, not angry, but just staring right at me. The door shuts and I quickly head to my bedroom. I believe that this little girl is bound here against her will and she lives in the closet of that room. Ooh, ooh. Chills. The thing that I believe put her here is the thing that screams at me when I try to record back there. The thing that doesn't want me to research or even talk about the paranormal things in this house. Thus, our unspoken agreement. I stay quiet, I don't dig, and then I'm left alone. This little girl doesn't seem in pain or anything, but clearly isn't at peace, or she wouldn't be here. I believe the thing keeps her here mostly because I read somewhere, usually with kids, that they have to stay because something or someone won't let them leave. There were other things that happened, but I'll leave those for another time. This thing isn't friendly and doesn't want anyone to know of its existence or anything that pertains to spirits and demons. Most terrifying times I've had in this house. Thanks, ladies, for keeping up the work. Love hearing you guys. P.S. Doesn't help that I have an accurate-sized Chucky doll (laughs) inside the same closet. Actually, three of them, to be precise. One of them has spoken without its batteries in once. Shivers. Oh, my God. I have blocked
1: the closet for now. With love. Box. I'm curious because part of me wonders if that girl is trapped there or if the dark entity is appearing as a girl. That's exactly what I was thinking.
2: I immediately was like, I don't trust that that's truly a little girl.
1: Because she didn't look scared. She didn't look sad. She just simply was staring back at him.
2: Yeah. Blank. And I feel like if it was a little girl, don't you think there may have been other? Oh, I don't know. And I'm just thinking like maybe there would have been other appearances because I'm thinking of. You know, the Waverly Hills Sanatorium, as you and I mm-hmm. think about like every f- all the time. three days, <laughs> just takes over our lives ever since we did that episode. But it just makes me think of like the creeper and how all of the spirits yeah. are either stuck there or remain there. But when the creeper comes, they all freak out. They panic. They hide. The creeper is at, at some point and at many points terrorizing them. And so it makes right. me curious to think like, OK, well, if there was something here that was holding this. Young girl hostage in this house. I feel like there have been plenty of instances where we've heard of paranormal activity where something similar is happening, but you still separately at times see the spirit, interact with the spirit, hear from the spirit. Yeah. Before the like captors present.
1: And that screaming mm. during his recording. I know. Is so oh. unsettling. And it Full feels chills. like it is a dark entity purely trying to terrify yeah i mean i really hope it's not a little girl trap but i also equally really hope it's not a dark entity
2: i know and i feel bad that we're both like somewhat leaning on like oh no sorry the little girl is totally a demon <laughs> but
1: to be fair at least okay he already thought there's a dark entity and a trapped little girl so we're just saying no it's just a dark entity which is better than the alternative true
2: (laughs) but also my god do you need to have those three life-size chucky dolls because (laughs) now i'm thinking about all of like the dolls with demonic possessions and all of the entities that like take up residency in these artifacts Uh and out of all the dolls available for a demonic entity that's trapped in that room to take hold of you have provided it with three chucky dolls
1: yeah i mean could you maybe replace them with like a lot of
2: sage and crystals oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're thinking about like long term i'm just like short term give it something
1: nicer (laughs) Corinne's like <laughs> offering alternatives. It's like when your hermit crab is changing shells, you have to put different shells to choose. <laughs> don't oh. give it more options, Corinne.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Wherever I just <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Oh, it's like build a bear, but just for your demon.
1: <laughs> no, thank you. Okay. Wow, I pick some dark ones. Well, this is um, called The Demonic Presence That Chased Me to the Bathroom from Kat. This is
2: going to, I already know I'm not going to sleep tonight just from
1: the title of this. Hello, ghostly girls. I just recently started listening to your podcast and I am obsessed. I found it when I was trying to find something to listen to that is spooky like lore since I'm caught up on that podcast. I love your podcast because you ladies are funny, honest, and don't shy away from the creepiest of details. I have two stories for you. When I was 16, I was at church camp, and in the middle of the night—I don't know what time—but everyone was dead asleep. I woke up and really needed to go to the bathroom. When I was about to get up, I felt a horrible, horrible presence. I was terrified. I couldn't move. I felt if I moved, what was in the cabin was going to attack me. So I stayed there for about five minutes, and the need to pee won out. So I decided to quietly run to the bathroom. As I ran to the bathroom, I swore I heard feet following me. I quickly ran in, locked the door, and then checked the two doors in the bathroom that led outside, all the showers and all the stalls. I went to the bathroom and stayed in the bathroom for almost 30 minutes, praying off and on and telling the evil presence to leave. Finally, I left the bathroom, still feeling a little creeped out, and I hid under the covers and fell asleep. Six years later, I became best friends with a girl I knew at camp, and I told her the story. She told me, Why the hell didn't you tell me someone could have possessed you? Which made me think, was it trying to get me? Spooky. Now, for a sweeter story. When I was four, my uncle was murdered. I wasn't told he was dead until almost a year later, which you should keep that part in mind. I was always told that him and I were close and he loved me very much. About a week after he died, my mother told me she came up to my room and heard me talking to someone. She thought I was playing with my dolls. But when she came in, she saw me talking to something that was on the end of my bed. She asked me who I was talking to, and I said, Uncle Howie. My mother tried to stay calm and asked me where he was. I pointed to a spot at the end of the bed where my mom saw a dip. She asked me what he was wearing, and I told her that he was wearing his red jacket. She told me this went on for months, and that when she asked me what he was telling me, I would just say that he was checking on me and seeing how I was doing. All of a sudden, the visit stopped. And my mom said I didn't talk about it again. When she told me this story, I tried really hard to remember this happening, but couldn't. She said she believes it was my uncle and that he was just checking in on me. The story always gives me comfort because I miss him dearly. And I get told all the time that I act like him. It's good to know he wanted to make sure I was okay before he moved on. I will let you gals know when I go to New Orleans in October if I have any spooky encounters. You ladies are awesome. Keep up the spooky work. Stay curious. Wow. Okay. Just think about how already creepy it is
2: to get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom, but then to turn around and walk back and hear
1: footsteps following you. Mm -hmm. Hell no. And even before she started walking, she woke up and felt a dark presence, which is we've heard a lot before of like church camps or religious affiliated events being targeted. And it's almost like this thing or entity was waiting for someone to wake up to target so it wasn't like specifically her but if anyone had woken up in the middle of the night which makes me wonder if anyone else did and if she had shared the story back then if other people would have come out and said oh my god i felt something too yeah it
2: just isn't it crazy that i feel like it's almost a universal feeling in humans because we have fight or flight that even if everyone out there is like oh i've never had a paranormal experience I think everyone can agree that they've had moments where in the middle of the night or at some point, something happens where they're like fight or flight kicks in and yeah. maybe it doesn't make sense. And maybe you're like, oh my gosh, is there an intruder in my house? Is there mm-hmm. someone following me outside? And very much it could, you know, <laughs> not to be like, it could be one of those, but like it also can be applied to paranormal activity. So if you're someone who doesn't think you've ever had an experience I'm curious to see if you can think back and recall certain moments, like in the middle of the night where you got got up to go pee and suddenly it just
1: felt a little off in your space. Right. Because not everyone experiences their paranormal the same way and it can be as small as like an energy shift.
2: Yeah. So wild. And also I love this story, the experience with her uh, uncle.
1: I know it's very sweet. And she didn't even know he was dead until a year later. She was talking to him for a long time before even knowing that he was dead.
2: I know. It reminds me a little bit of a conversation I had with my mom the other day because I don't know why I felt like I needed to tell her. She got really teary-eyed and I probably shouldn't have brought it up, but I was like, mom, if I die, and then she immediately was like, oh, Oh. and I was like, but if I die, like just do what you need to do with the body and choose the cheapest option. I just want you to know that, that I have zero wishes for anything to happen post-death. Like don't spend your money. Anything you want to do with my body is because you personally want to. I I have no wishes. But I was like, don't worry, mom. Like, don't get too upset. If I happen to die before you, just know that I'll be back. And maybe I'll be my younger brother, Christian. I was like, maybe I'll be Christian's future children. And then we were talking about, like, how she would know if either his child was me reincarnated or if I was talking to his child as a spirit. If the child called him Pumpkinhead, because I call him (laughs) Pumpkinhead, (laughs) which is like so it came from like a mean nickname when I was like four and I was like Pumpkinhead. (laughs) But like I've continued it now endearingly.
1: Oh, that's really cute.
2: But it's like it's it's just that like in the story, her mom knows that she was talking to the uncle. But I wonder what would have happened if she hadn't caught her. In conversation. If maybe she would have taken on certain mannerisms, she already said that she acts a lot like her uncle. I wonder Mm -hmm. if she maybe would have started repeating things that he said. It's also,
1: I I also wonder if he because she said that he abruptly left, which could mean he's moved on. He's Maybe he's been reincarnated in a way in their lives, but it also makes me wonder if he's just there as a guardian, but doesn't make Mm. himself known as often.
2: I know it's very or or maybe it's like one of those things where I hate to, to say it, but like, I wonder if something happens in children's lives where there's just a hard cut of when you're able and willing to witness paranormal activity to be open to accepting it. Or if there's like some hard yeah. stop, not necessarily from the spirit's perspective, but like from your own, like something happens where suddenly like you block it out.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've talked about that a lot. I think it's society saying what's normal. And when you're a kid, you're not thinking, oh, this entity that's on the end of my bed, it shouldn't be here. That's not normal.
2: Right. Or even if it was more of like maybe she came to the realization that this wasn't normal in terms of it being like, oh, wow, maybe this is scary rather than fun and soft and loving mm-hmm. because this person is deceased. And I wonder if maybe her right. energy changed. And that's why her uncle was like, well, I don't want to scare her. I'm not going to. Right. Not going to try. Or
1: he was, he knew that she was okay. And that was all he needed. Yeah. I don't know. Wow.
2: Also, maybe it was not even about her. Maybe it was about her mom. Because I just think about like the times when my great grandmother has come and visited my mom. And it's always been at times when she has had a really tough time. So I wonder if it was less about our listener and more about her own mother. Maybe her mother was going through a really tough time. So he was like, I'm just going to I'm going to take this one. I'm going to distract the kid for a little so she can have a few moments to herself, help her out, babysit a bit. Maybe I like that too. A little family style version of a parenting. All your ghostly relatives, <laughs> all your living relatives, everyone coming together and having a good time. This is from Lily. It is called Hodgepodge of Stories. So we'll get a few from Lily. Great. Hey, Corinne and Sabrina. I heard about your podcast from Ologies, and in the words of our great dad Ward, "Boy, howdy, am I glad I hit listen to that first episode of yours." <laughs> I wanted to wait until I caught up to email you guys, even if just to tell you how much I appreciate your podcast and all of the work you put into it. You yeah. two have a beautiful friendship and partnership with your show. And I am heartened, but not surprised by the immense following you guys have. Wow. You deserve all the success and more, and you've earned it. (gasps) Lily. This is so kind, That's really nice. Uh, And also super well written. What do you do for a living? Can I? Oh, I I might cry. Hire you to send my texts so that I (laughs) sound like a better person. (laughs) That was so sweet. Anyway, I am not a non-believer in the paranormal, but I've also never had any real experiences of my own. I think because the paranormal world or someone on the other side watching out for me knows I would absolutely lose my shit (laughs) if I ever actually saw a ghost slash was haunted slash experienced anything on my own. (laughs) However, I can't help but want to share the experiences of others that I have compiled. So here goes. I'm sorry, this will be long, but I hope it's worth it. First of all, I just listened to the episode after Lorraine Warren died, where you guys talked about her, and it reminded me of a story my best friend told me. A few years back, she did field work at a nursing home that Lorraine was at, and told me that a nurse was checking in on her when Lorraine straight up stopped whatever she was doing and said, oh, there's blood everywhere. Oh my god! Not sure what she was seeing, but in a nursing home, I guess you never know. The second story is from my brother, who I've... Told a billion times to email and listen to you guys. But I mean, younger brothers. Am I right? (laughs) Okay, well, Lily's younger brother. I'm going to treat you like my younger brother. And I'm going to sternly tell you, you need to email us.
1: Well, it seems like Lily's about to tell us.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm telling his stories instead. (laughs) If you guys ever do in Haunted Towns episode again, you should check out Dudley Town in Cornwall, Connecticut. (gasps) I'm pretty sure I put that on. No, you're thinking I'm doing it for the next episode. That's why I chose this.
1: Oh, that's what it was. Oh. That's why I chose it. So I can be like, remember last episode where... Oh, that's so funny. I was like, why is it so familiar? Lily talked about Dudley Town. Now. See, I, you know, I get you and I confused sometimes. I'm like, you better not be doing it for the next episode. because Whoopsie, <laughs> whoopsie. You should check out Dudley Town. Yes,
2: Lily. We did. Tune in next week. Stay tuned. I don't know much about it and have never been there, but my brother drove there on a driving hour in driver's ed where he got chased out by a person with no face. Oh, my brother has also had experiences at the winery in the town that he worked at, which is haunted by someone who works on the farm that sat on the grounds of the winery way back when. This man, an ancestor of the people who own the winery today, fell into the grain silo and depending on who you ask, died on site. My brother was upstairs in the general area of the actual accident, cleaning out his cup of tea when a saucer he'd been about to clean sprung up from the counter and flew down into the sink. He also experienced all the windows in the tasting room unlock themselves at the same time. Ooh, Ooh. a haunted tea tasting area. I love that. Third of all. My boyfriend recently told me that his dad woke up three nights in a row at 3.33 a.m. So he played those numbers and he won a hundred dollars. <laughs> oh, oh? <laughs> usually that is not like if I woke up, that would not be my response. I wouldn't be like Woo, lucky numbers. I'd be like, oh, something's coming for me. Terrifying. Finally, I'm not quite sure what to label this last thing. It's not really paranormal, but it is interesting and creepy It is a story of three deaths in my family over three decades on my mom's side. In 1995, my grandfather, her father, passed away. In 2005, my uncle, my mom's sister's husband, passed away. And in 2015, you guessed it, another one of my mom's sister's husbands passed away. They were all the patriarchs of the family. And of course, they were all very difficult deaths. The kicker, my grandfather was 69 when he passed away. My uncle, 49. My other uncle, 59. My mom is the one who alerted me to this pattern in past, and in 2025, three of my male cousins on that side and my brother will be at some point 29. You can bet I'll be holding my breath until they all reach 30 that year. Oh my gosh. That was a lot. Also, my mom reminded me today that I've heard Ed and Lorraine speak. They came to my school what? and shared their stories and did a and A. I I wish I could remember more about it. All I do remember is how serious they were and how creeped out I was. Also, they brought Annabelle. No. Woo! That was a lot. And if you guys have stuck it out this long, I want to commend you. LOL. Once again, thank you guys for your awesome podcast. I listen at work where I am a gardener on a private horticultural estate. Oh, dream. But so cool. I often wonder if I'm the only one who listens to your podcast while weed whacking or wielding hedge shears would highly suggest it since I'm limited in my fears while I'm holding a weapon. <laughs> See you on the other side, Lily. And then she put a little bee
1: emoji, Aww. which is so cute. That's a really cute little bee emoji.
2: Such a cute little bee. But man, plethora of experiences surrounding her family.
1: Yes. And I have to say, Lily, I commend you so much for sending us your friends and family stories. And I implore all of our listeners to do the same because you don't have to just share your stories. Get the stories from people around you and send them to us because they're great. Lily, as yeah. an example.
2: And if you're feeling real frustrated because you've told someone to email a thousand times and they're just not listening, well, guess what? We're not saying their name on the podcast. We're saying yours. Yeah. So you get the credit for the credit. their stories now.
1: They were too slow. The fact that her friend worked in the the nursing home that Lorraine was in.
2: I know. How wild. Can you imagine being like a nurse or or just even like an administrative or like office manager and you work at a nursing home or you're like in sales for the nursing home? I don't know all the positions that could (laughs) fall under a nursing home, but a variety of people could find themselves working in a nursing home. And you don't think about some of the larger characters and kind of like household names and celebrities that could be coming in the door.
1: Lorraine is the only one I care about. R.I.P. Rest your soul. Yeah. Wow,
2: I would have I would just be in her. She would probably be so annoyed with me because I'd be like, good morning, Miss Lorraine. Did you see any
1: spirits (laughs) last night? Tell me more ghost stories. Oh, my gosh. I would want to know everything. Also, can we fast forward to next week? Because I need to know about Deadly Town.
2: I know. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I put it so that next week I could be like in a callback to last week's episode. But now y'all know what I'm doing next week, which is good. It's a nice
1: little like teaser. A little teaser. Get
2: ready. Get ready. Um, I am a little nervous for her family members. I hope that it's just a coincidence that five years apart, people on their something ninth birthday have passed I away. Know.
1: I I hope it's just a coincidence
2: too. But it's it's always interesting. I feel like there's so many little patterns like that just in general within familial lines of like people are born on the same birthday or someone passes away on another family mm-hmm. member's birthday or like It's all kind of like coming and going in life in these small pocketed little days and periods in time.
1: I do wonder why things like that happen, though. Yeah, it is. If anyone has insight, please tell us. Let us know. Because we don't have the answers to everything. We have
2: very few answers. Like, we probably (laughs) know a total of two things. Wow. Securely
1: know the answers to two things. (laughs) What are those two things I need to know? Uh that um <laughs> don't you don't even know what those two things
2: are. In <laughs> I don't know what I don't know, Sabrina. <laughs> oh.
1: Alright. I won't put you on the spot anymore. I'll read Thanks another listener story.
2: As if my anxiety wasn't high enough.
1: <laughs> All right, well this is from Lucy and the subject line is my not so human stalker. Mm. Hi girls. I'm going to write in two stories today, a short one and a long one but I'll start with a short one. So earlier this morning, I was laying in bed about to get up for the day and my eyes were closed. All of a sudden, I felt a small hand rub my leg. It definitely didn't feel malevolent. I got dressed and noticed right where my leg was rubbed, there was a child sized handprint. As if that didn't freak me out enough, I went downstairs and was checking my email when all of a sudden, a child walks directly across my glass door that leads to my backyard. Ooh. I got up, and no one was there. Ooh, creepy! <laughs> and now to my scary, not-so-alive and not-so-human stalker. I believe that before I begin the story, it is important to know this detail about me. I have been very chronically ill for the past year and a half. I lost my ability to walk, I'm in pain all of the time, and my brain barely works. I believe that me being in this state was the perfect condition for malevolent entities to enter my life. Starting around five or six months ago, when my illness got really, really bad, I started seeing this shadow person. He was abnormally tall and pitch black. At first, I would just see him in my house and in my dreams. I had one particular dream where it was showing me him and saying, my name is Rick. Oh, <gasps> not another Rick. Not Rick. I now realize that this is the same name as a demon in your Dominus listener story, which of course freaked me out. Rick would have his favorite places to stand. My living room is where I have my home hospital set up. There were three hallways leading off from different directions from this hospital setup, and Rick loved to just walk by the ends of the hallways, just close enough where I would see him. And then I found out he likes to watch me while I sleep, which was absolutely terrifying. When my doctor finally cleared me to go back outside of the house sometimes, he would follow me everywhere, the grocery store, other people's houses, the art studio that I painted in for a bit, etc. When I got really sick again and had to literally burn the parasites that come with the disease out of me, like in Stranger Things 2, lol, I would have to sit in the hottest water ever to sweat the parasites out and I noticed that while I was doing this, he liked to walk in and out of the room. My mom decided that it would be best for me to have a mini vacation to help relieve some of my stress. And we went to a rented beach condo and were on the third floor. It took my family forever to get me down to the beach. They set me up with my feet in the water. And then after like five minutes, my mom came down and said that she forgot I can't be in the sun with my medication. So back up we go. They got me all set up on the couch and they went back down. I took a shower and still in my towel, I went to get my clothes. And when I turned around to go get dressed, Rick was standing there right behind me, closer than he'd ever been. I now think this is because my house is staged constantly, but this beach house had not. I got into the bathroom as soon as I could, keep in mind I can't walk fast, and eventually made it in and locked the door. He followed me and stood right on the other side of the door. In my sister's voice, he says, I'm sorry, which of course freaked me out. I waited for 30 minutes until my family got back and then opened the door and told them what happened. My mom believes me, as I've always been gifted with the ability to read people's thoughts and see spirits. My dad never believes me and makes fun of me daily. And I went to Mm -hmm. see a psychic, and he stopped showing up for a while. But now, Rick still shows up every now and then. See you on the other side, Lucy. That so freaks me out. And it's like, what's your prerogative here, buddy? I don't know. I don't know. It's just like (sighs) intimidation, maybe?
2: Right. And it doesn't sound like she's, I mean, beyond lucy obviously being spooked when he takes on her sister's voice and just generally tries to intimidate her by appearing it doesn't sound like she's scared to the point where she's not screaming and fainting or like whatever she's getting herself to a spot where she doesn't think that he's going to be or she's trying to like ignore him so i'm like how much energy can he really be taking off of her
1: Well, Lucy sounds like a badass, first of all, and she's not going to let him win. But I can also imagine it's terrifying to constantly have him there because dark entities don't seem to give up. Right. And to have, I mean, let's be real, regardless of
2: your level of mobility, spirits are spirits. So even if you are the fastest runner in the world you're never going to outrun a spirit. I know. Sorry to, sorry to say, but there's something about just like feeling like you're not fully as mobile as you used to be that I'm sure is hard because you're wanting, your mind is telling you to get away or to do something like quicker or differently mm-hmm. than you currently can. So I'm sure that that's like another struggle, especially when coming into
1: contact with Something like Rick. I know. I hope it's not the same demonic entity.
2: I know. Listeners worry. Also, shout out to all of the nice men out there who have the name Rick. And I'm sorry that (laughs) we drag your name constantly through our podcast. Yeah. Apologies. Honestly, it's the
1: demons that should apologize. Yeah. The demons owe you an apology. They should just go by their normal names, like Beelzebub, because no one... No one that I know is named that in the real world. (laughs) I also don't know any. (laughs)
2: Lucifer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so creepy. But I, I, yeah, I don't know what he wants. Me neither. But I'm curious. It sounds like saging and cleansing of the space weakens him. And the fact that she, Lucy, went to see a a psychic. Yeah, that helped. Then he stopped for a while. It feels like anytime you kind of open up the paranormal world or astral world or just like your own energy to positivity or to people that might have mm-hmm. more like i don't know lovely auras or contact with beneficial spirit guides sounds like it weakens him a bit
1: yeah and it's good that her mom believes her and that lucy's able to talk to her mom about it as well because yes. i think that helps because then you're not lucy alone. we're
2: sending you good vibes all the good vibes okay Do-do-do. I wanted to save this one for fall because it's called Corn Maze Scare. And I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. perfect. But I just couldn't wait any longer. I've had it sitting in my folder to read for like four <laughs> weeks. And I was just like, I can't wait. I can't I wait. Can't. Well, now I can't wait. Tell me. <laughs> okay. This is from our listener, Bethany, called Corn Maze Scare. Hi, Sabrina and Corinne. I recently just stumbled upon your podcast and I am hooked. I have a scary story I would like to share with you. This will probably be a little bit lengthy, but I hope you enjoy. Here we begin. I was 13 at the time, and I'd gotten invited to go to a corn maze with some friends from church. The day of the corn maze quickly approached. Once our group had arrived, we went over the rules and such, and were on our way out to have some fun. Mm -hmm. What was meant to be just a fun, chill night out with friends quickly turned into an experience I will never forget. Oh my god. We all stayed in our group, making our way through the maze. Everyone got the brilliant idea to actually go through the corn maze, and I didn't think that was a good idea, but I stuck with them, so I didn't get myself lost. We all got out, and then somehow, one of the girls lost her flashlight, so she asked to borrow mine. No. Being the stupid 13-year-old I was, I let her have it. Well, a few minutes passed, and that girl and this other girl, I will reference them as Katie and Steph, they started arguing about something, and Katie got mad and left with the other few girls left in our group. So it ended up just being me and Steph, alone, by ourselves. Oh, no. It was pitch dark outside, almost to the point where... You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And Steph only brought her phone for a flashlight. And mind you, back then she had one of those Razor phones, which they didn't provide much light at all. No. And I gave mine away. So we were screwed. (laughs) And all we really had to rely on was the moonlight. Well, me and Steph started on our way trying to find the exit. I was a few feet behind Steph and all of a sudden I got this really bad feeling in the pit of my stomach. Oh, no. I felt uneasiness settle in, and I stopped in my steps and slowly turned around, and when I did, there was this tall, black figure right there staring at me. It didn't look human at all. I froze, and we made eye contact. Then the figure started breathing heavily. All it did was stare and breathe heavily. Oh my god. Then, (laughs) this is so freaking creepy. Then out of nowhere, it started slowly approaching me, still staring down at me. I instantly took off running for my life, trying to catch up with Steph. As I was running, I yelled to Steph and said, Steph, run, run. There's something back there and it's chasing me. Run. Come on. We got to get out of here. Oh my God. Can you imagine? Steph's heart is probably just in her stomach <laughs> at this moment.
1: I can't.
2: Yeah. Sabrina, you always go first. Can you imagine if I was behind (laughs) you and then I just started screaming,
1: Sabrina, run!
2: (laughs) Oh my God, that's so scary. In a dark corn maze and all you have is your Razor Motorola
1: like flip phone. And you don't know which way to get out.
2: Oh my God. (laughs) So we both started running as fast as we could. Well, as we were running, Steph dropped her phone, which was our only source of light. (laughs) We stopped for a quick second to catch our breath and talk. Steph said that she had to go back for her phone or her dad would kill her if she lost her phone. I didn't like that idea. I told Steph, I was like, well, what if this thing is still back there waiting for us? I don't like this (laughs) Steph. I want to get out of (laughs) here. And she started making her way back and tried to retrace her steps. I quickly followed her, even though I didn't want to. And luckily, after what felt like forever searching for her phone, we found it. And thank God when we got back, whatever that thing was, wasn't there. Oh my gosh. When Steph got her phone, she quickly called her dad, who was luckily one of the leaders that went with us. He came in and he found us. He was pretty upset with what had happened, but quickly got over it knowing we were both safe. We got done with the maze and all went home. When I got home, I mentioned the horrible thing that had just happened to my parents, and they too weren't happy about it and called the place that we went to try to reassure me that the thing I saw was probably just a worker who worked there. Well, the manager asked us which maze we went into because there was a family-friendly section and then there was a scary section. Oh my gosh. We told her we went to the family-friendly one. Then she begins to explain that no one is allowed to bring in any scary items or objects, no customers or even the employees. She said that the employees who are dressed up in the scary section are only designated to stay in the scary section and not to enter the family-friendly one at all. She said that even if they did, they would be fired. And then... When she went to ask all of the employees if they had been in there, all of them said no. So if the customers and the employees weren't allowed to bring scary items into the maze at all, what could it have been? Oh my God! And also like a giant black figure. I'm sure yeah. the people that are dressed in scary things are like just actual normal sized humans with like potato sacks over their heads right. to look like it's stitched. Right. Still to this day, I can't wrap my mind around that. I mean, who knows that? That whole time, it could have been one of the customers, but people aren't allowed to bring scary stuff in, so I don't know. I'm still clueless about it to this day, but I can tell you, whatever that thing was did a pretty good job of scaring me. I've been scarred for life after that incident. I told myself I'd never go to another corn maze again, although I recently just went to one, but luckily nothing (laughs) like that happened. Although everyone decided to split into groups and play hide and seek, so I followed these few people in and as we were running directly through the corn, I could feel a sense of fear come over me and I almost started to have a panic attack and almost started crying and I couldn't get the images out of my mind of that last experience at the corn maze. But I just didn't like it. Luckily, I was able to keep my calm and pull myself together. I just kept going and I knew eventually we would make it out. And we were the very first group to make it out, so yay. (laughs) <laughs> I felt so much relief after we made it out. But yeah, overall, not a big fan of corn mazes. Nope. No, no. Can't do them any longer. <laughs> they freak me the heck out. So yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Your podcast seriously rocks. Wish you girls all the best. Stay spooky,
1: Bethany. Um, Bethany, that is terrifying. I totally understand and validate your fear and your fear of corn mazes. Yes.
2: Corn mazes are already... Scary enough because you're losing your sense of direction in them, which is the point. And like it's a little scary, but also really fun when it's 1 p.m. and the sun is like high in the sky. Mm-hmm. But in the middle of the night, in this seriously dark night with no source of light on you and just two of you together, fuck nope. no. no. No,
1: no, no. Just no, not doing it. Never. <laughs> just no. Just I... no. I mean, it makes sense that some dark entity would be lingering in a corn maze because I feel like that, that. there's a reason there are horror movies about corn mazes. There's a reason Stephen King wrote Children of the Corn.
2: Yeah. What what was that Netflix movie? Was it based on a Stephen King movie or Stephen King book Um, where they all go the, the tall grass? Oh, isn't that new? Yes, that's a new one on Netflix. I wasn't sure if it had any ties to like old Stephen King, but probably not.
1: Yeah. Tall Grass. Everyone should watch that. Did you... You watched it? I did. Oh my gosh. I I couldn't. It scared me. I just watched the trailer and I was like, I can't. It was good.
2: I will say, very confused. Still don't understand what happened. (laughs) Probably should watch it another time. Oh my gosh. So good though. So good. Well, no. So horrible. (sighs) So horrible. It's like... (sighs) It's like this this constant battle in my mind and body between being like, nature's beautiful, nature is wonderful, go out into the woods, go hiking, walk through the corn, smell the roses, and then being like, everything is scary, things are mm-hmm. coming for
1: you, the ghosts are there. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is that it's a maze and you don't know your way out. And so add on, so that's already like panic inducing and frightening, like it's already like, You're activating some survival instinct in order to get out. Mm -hmm. And now let's just throw in a terrifying shadow figure entity, whatever it is, chasing you.
2: Yeah. Very disturbing. Not
1: a fan. You know what freaks me out is that they
2: didn't ever hear it coming. They just
1: sensed it. I
2: know. Freaky, freaky. All right. What do you have to end us on?
1: Apparently our podcast is also freaky, which is something that we knew. But this is a story from Carly. And its subject line is, your podcast is cursed. Ooh! Hey ladies, my name is Carly. Did you just say ew? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been watching a lot of Shit's Creek. <laughs> Hi ladies, my name is Carly. I just sent you a long email about my previous experiences and haven't had anything happen to me since my last crazy experience. So I clean houses for work and I'm always a solo cleaner. So I clean huge houses by myself. Most of the time, the clients aren't at their homes because they work during the time that I'm cleaning. So it's a super fun job, except when I'm listening to your podcast and I get super spooked, LOL. However, it is important to note that nothing weird or even remotely paranormal has ever happened to me while cleaning, at least in this specific house. So anyway, this happened to me yesterday, the client, the clients that I cleaned for on this day are always home because he works from home. Though so it started out super normal, their house is just a two-story house, so I had to finish cleaning almost all of the first level when the client comes up to me and tells me he is leaving for some meetings and won't be back before I'm done. So we say goodbye and I make my way downstairs to clean the bathroom, dust, and vacuum. I start in the bathroom as always, cleaning the mirror and the vanity and eventually making my way to the toilet and shower. As I was cleaning and standing in front of the mirror, you guys started talking about demons. In particular, bills above. As you mentioned the name immediately, all the bathroom lights started flickering. I had no clue what to do. So I kind of just stood there staring at myself in the mirror, trying to figure out what happened. And if this just happened, then the podcast went out entirely. My phone wouldn't let, even let me click play or anything on the podcast. I closed out of the app and tried again, but nothing worked. Fully freaked out. I tried turning on Harry Potter and it worked instantly and the lights stopped flickering. I went about my cleaning and noted that the lights did not flicker once after they finished. Those lights have never once flickered on me before, and I have never had issues playing the podcast in that house or the basement. It fully freaked me out. Anyway, thank you for the amazing, albeit cursed, AF podcast. You guys really make us all feel like your best friends, and it means so much to me. Love you both, and I will see you on the other side. Carly. Carly, we are so sorry. We are so sorry. But there's a part of me that almost wonders. Okay, we've heard a lot of stories from listeners who listen to our podcast and have like terrifying experiences. But this one in particular, it's like, okay, it's scary because all the lights start flickering. But then the podcast turns off, which makes me think that some entity, good entity, is like, let's pause this because we don't want to trigger anything else.
2: Yeah, maybe. Maybe because like that house perhaps was a portal or susceptible because they, you know, you're not supposed to say like Beelzebub's name or say, Demon's name so many times in a row and and whatnot, and I wonder if maybe it, the house itself was like haunting of the Hill House sort of thing. But yeah, no, I'm curious if it if it would have triggered something opening up in the house.
1: Yeah, right. Which I feel like it probably started to do, which is why the lights were flickering after one of us on the podcast said Beelzebub, which is interesting because we also just said but it. It's
2: probably you. It's probably <laughs> me. I've also just said really- it three times in this episode, which is dangerous. It's dangerous. I risk. This podcast is.
1: I wonder if we got life insurance and they're like, oh, you're high risk because you talk about ghosts and the paranormal and demons all the time. I should
2: ask my dad. He sells life insurance. <laughs> Bill? Oh, wait, I shouldn't yell his name. He'll, he'll hear me and be like, yeah. And he'll come running, <laughs> running in. I'll be like, shh, I'm recording.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like something was acted like something was triggered by that. And then something else paused it. Because mm. if it was something bad flickering in the lights, then why would it? cause the thing that's giving it, like, the excitement and the energy. Unless it's like, let me take over.
2: Oh, it all just freaks me out. I'm just, like, picturing being alone in a stranger's <laughs> house trying to clean. Like, she's to get her job done. Yeah. And then just, uh, And clearly they have a basement that she's supposed to go into, too. Because she was like, there's never been an issue in the basement.
1: But basements are so scary.
2: Well, I sure hope that she had cleaned the basement prior to the lights flickering. I know. Well, Well, folks... Well, pod, I heard that now in a quarantine, you're supposed to refer to everyone as your pod, those who you are isolating with, the only people you can make contact with. Like love is blind. Right? Love is blind. So me, Deb and Bill, we're a pod together and you guys are our virtual pod.
1: (laughs) You are. You really are. We're all in this together. It's a crazy time. It's wild. And we're here for you. Ghost stories are here for you. And if you have time, you should email us your ghost stories and um we'll try to read them on the podcast yeah so send them to two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com
2: and you can follow us on instagram we have twitter we have a facebook group facebook group is where it's really popping so get on in on that action uh or if you are just looking for other spooky tales the best thing to do is just talk about spookiness with your friends and family you might get some cool stories. You might introduce them to our podcast. You might get some other podcast recommendations yourself. So
1: keep on, keep it on. Yeah. And if you feel like you want to support our podcast, one of the biggest ways to do that. And one of, I think the most important ways to do that is to rate and review us on iTunes. It takes a minute. You can even just say five stars and then like write boo, or you don't even have to write the review. You can just rate. We like reading the reviews though. So if you want to like make our day, Maybe write a review. Or you can also support us by buying merch. And our merch is still shipping out. It might take a little bit longer to get to you, but it's still shipping.
2: Yeah, all of the merch is built to order as well. So depending on supplies and whatnot, our manufacturer might take a little longer. Just a heads up.
1: And uh, you can also support us by supporting us on Patreon. Just wanted to say a quick thank you to our editor, Eric Foster at Upfire Digital and your whole team. Thank you for all the work you do to help us out a well edited high quality episode of our podcast
2: and thank you to all of you again thank you thank you your support is not going unnoticed we are feeling very lucky to be in the position that we are uh, and get to record continue to record this podcast each week and put out episodes and hear from all of you and see everything that everyone's been doing and we're very grateful for that so we will hear from you soon and you will hear from us and we will see you On the other side...